Halo, halo, Sacred Icon listeners. We used to do ads for other people, but I decided, why don't we do one for ourselves? Whether you're here listening to us for the first time or you've heard every episode, I'd like to briefly tell you what we're about and how you can support us. We have been doing this podcast since 2019, and with that has come lots of changes. We started as a primarily Halo-only show, but have evolved, combat evolved, over the years to talk about a wide variety of things in the realm of nerd culture. As you can imagine, we've made numerous changes to our platforms, usernames, and emails over the years, so now is the time for me to set things right and give the Covenant back their bomb. You can join our Discord by clicking the link included on our podcast feed. You can also send us an email or a voice message at sacrediconpodcast at gmail.com. We have a YouTube channel at youtube.com slash sacredicon, and we no longer use Twitter or X or whatever else the kids are calling it these days. So if you see someone who looks like us there, just know it's not us. Lastly, you can support us on patreon.com slash sacredicon and receive a bevy of bonus content. We're so glad you chose us to be the voice in your ear on this particular day and hope you enjoy the episode ahead. Halo, halo, reds and blues, and welcome on back to the one and only Sacred Icon Podcast, where we talk Halo and so much more. New year, new us, new episode. That's right, friendos. Like Stella, the Halo universe has got its group back. Then there's the big shotgun blast slate of new video game and movie releases. But more importantly right now, new guests. Do, do, do. I'm Joshua Hargis, joined as always with my buddy, my pal, my friend, Brian Arbett. And joining us today to ring in our first episode of the new year, it's fellow Final Fantasy and Snyderverse fan, Wesley. Wesley, what is up, buddy? Oh, man. I am I am just so honored to be here. And you, you hit it right on the head. Like, those are those are probably two of my biggest fandoms. Especially right now. Every time I see you talk about uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League and your love of it, I'm like, yes, my man. It's a good my thing man. that worked out, Josh, because I was going to say that's sacrilege because Elder Scrolls is what comes first for Wesley. But There's a lot of like his things follow-up. that he loves. You know, I just picked two that we related to, but Elder Scrolls is definitely in there, too. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, yeah. So that kind of brings us to what the topic's going to be today. Cause, so we're not sure how much of this will, what this will be about specifically, but we're going to talk about fantasy in general. That's what Wesley wanted to talk about. Um, but we're hoping that it doesn't just become completely Final Fantasy, because if you spend any time in the Discord, you'll know that... (laughs) Well, for me, I hope it does, but Wesley and I are just constantly talking about Final Fantasy in the uh, the Discord, so... But we're just going to talk about fantasy in general, Um, so I guess we'll start off by... I'll ask you first, Wesley, what is your first memorable exposure to fantasy that you liked? Like, was it like a kid's movie or something, or...? I, I did spend some time thinking about this this morning. I was like, where did where did it all start? And honestly, I really do think it started with the Peter Jackson films, um, Lord of the Rings. Um, but, I mean, you can throw in some Disney stuff in there, like even, even Peter Pan. I was, like, obsessed with Peter Pan and, like, the pirates and all that. So Neverland and all that, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, Lord of the Rings, um, I'm sure that's the, that's the case for many people. But, yeah, I was just in, enthralled by the, by the Fellowship movie, um, you know, and, and scared out of my, my mind because I was young. But Gollum still did gives me nightmares. Did the Bilbo scene in Fellowship when he, like, snaps at Frodo, did that get you? Oh, yeah. Because they got time. Brian. Yeah, it okay. still kind of gets me. Made me like, want to cry. Yeah, <laughs> want to cry. And then, and then to make it worse, I bought the Third Age video game, 
And like the third age video game, which I know you're familiar with, Josh, there's you get like collectibles. Yeah. And one of the collectibles is in the menu. It plays a clip from the movie and it plays that clip in the menu, the Bilbo mm-hmm. clip. And I'm watching the game and I'm, I'm playing the game and I'm like, ah, God, oh, it does? Again. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember that. So. Huh. That is my dad's favorite game. He still plays that. Third age? Yep. You know what's crazy? Dude? If I went back and played it, I'd probably like it more than ever because it was essentially a Final Fantasy. It was a ten or twelve ripoff. It's it it's was. a ten ripoff. Mm-hmm. Ten ripoff. X, yeah. So yeah, I would probably love it now. Honestly, that's what I, I used to be really against turn based. I can segue this into Final Fantasy for a little bit because I will say with that, that oh, was darn. I I played that and fell in love with that game right away. I've said it before on the show, but I, I that's my one of my favorite Lord of the Rings games, right? And I remember reading at the time when that was coming out. That yeah, it was like an Americanized version of Final Fantasy X, which was hugely popular, but I was not aware of it because I hadn't touched a single Final Fantasy. And then right around the time Final Fantasy VII Remake was about to come out, like it was probably before the delay, the like the last delay they had of it. I want to say that um, our friend Xavier got me to play Final Fantasy X, got it on sale. And I played a good, like, 20 hours of it. I stopped myself because I was like, I gotta finish these other games I'm already on. But I was like, I'll get to you. I'll come back. I was like, next time, baby. I was like Terrence, or, yeah, Terrence Howard or whatever in uh, Iron Man but, 1. But yeah, I I really liked what I played of that. And as I was playing Final Fantasy X, I was like, oh my god. Like, that, like even when I played Final Fantasy VII Remake, which I love... But I thought tens. That's that's mine. Like that's the one that's gonna like really like suck me into it. When I open myself up to that completely, that's the one that's gonna do it for me. You know, I I would love Final Fantasy VII remake. Also, you know, if if, if I could play it, <laughs> dude, it's it's you have such self control, and I understand. Wait, like you're whoa whoa whoa, hold on. You haven't played it yet. No, I you have a PS five. I don't have a PS five. Do you have PS four? Are you no. waiting for PS five? I, oh, no, he I, just, he's an Xbox guy, but they don't, it didn't come to Xbox. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm so sorry I didn't even realize this. No, oh, my God. Okay. Oh, this has been an ongoing thing, Josh. Like, <laughs> oh, Wesley wants to play it so bad. And he's smart. Like he's being, he's being trying to be smart. Like you know, he's. But like I, I admire that you have the ability because if a game like Final Fantasy VII Remake was out of my reach, I would buy whatever system <laughs> I had to. I would not be oh, able to man. not play it. I, like, I toyed with the idea of getting a, a PlayStation 4 for a while, but I want that like pure integrate experience the like yeah. well in, in yep. my in my personal experience i don't know if josh would agree but if it wasn't for the yuffie dlc i think the ps4 is a perfectly fine way to mm. play it i don't feel like there's much different i mean it's better but like there's not much difference with the ps5 version but the yuffie dlc is like five to six hours and it's legitimately good and adds ending content onto the remake <laughs> yeah. so I, you can't and you can only get it on ps5 so i don't blame you though because i actually did the same thing with miles morales um i i could have got that on ps4 but i didn't get my ps5 until like what was it like june of last year now so i waited all that time and and, and I only just started playing it on vacation. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Because I was like, I want to have, I don't care if it's only like minusculely better. You know, like I want to play the most superior version to have the most premium experience. So I understand. I get it. Well, the, the touch on fantasy before we kind of go back into Final Fantasy. Um, obviously, I think in a sense, I mean, I know I'll let you speak on for yourself, Wesley, but you, I mean, you might put Elder Scrolls above it. But like, I think within a sense, in a sense, all of our favorite, middle, uh, you know, fantasy thing is middle earth like lord of the rings like maybe you would still put elder scrolls over it a bit but i think for me and josh it's definitely lord of the rings is the top so that that's that's where i draw most of my inspiration for like loving fantasy but 
Um, I know that's not where I started, and I'm not, I'm not quite sure what was the beginning for me. I just know as a kid, I always found knights and horses and castles mm-hmm. so much more interesting than space and spaceships and planets. Like, I just, I liked fantasy more than sci-fi. And I remember watching movies like Kevin Costner's Robin Hood, which I think I showed Josh once. Um, yeah, movies I think like I, that. Wow, I forgot about that, man, up until now. Yeah. Holy cow. Kevin Costner's that Robin was awesome. Hood and just... Yeah. Uh, like uh, uh, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, and uh, The Princess Bride, just stuff like that I would see in passing. I just love that vibe. Uh, of course, eventually, it sucks when I first got Lord of the Rings. I, I got fellowship, my grandma bought me fellowship on VHS, and I thought it was boring. I just, I was, I was really young, and I just thought it was boring, and eventually got into it later. Uh, but Lord of the Rings is the top for me, of course, as well. Um, you know, other things like Witcher and Elder Scrolls are amazing as well. Um, but Final Fantasy has become something that's recent for all of us, really. Uh, Josh and I got into Final Fantasy for the first time in 2020. Um, was that fair, Josh, or would you say you were into it earlier? Yeah, it's just weird to think about. That's coming up on three years. That's yeah. Because <laughs> oh basically, Josh and I have a co- well, a coworker. Josh and I have a coworker we used to work with. Josh still. Well, you don't work with him anymore, right? No. So that you're technically right. <laughs> you're te- yeah. So we both used to still we both used to work with him, and yeah. But I had left and got came to West Virginia. I got married, but then Josh was still working with this friend Mount of ours. Mama. And this friend of ours, his name's Xavier. His mm-hmm. favorite thing of all time period overall movies, TVs, games, everything is Final Fantasy VII. And he basically Josh talked Josh's ear off about Final Fantasy VII at work constantly. And then uh, the remake was coming out, so he was trying to get Josh to like buy the remake. Yeah. So Josh, he convinced Josh to get this Final Fantasy VII remake, even though he's not a Final Fantasy guy. And then I was on the PlayStation, and I was looking at demos, and Josh was like, Brian, you should really download that Final Fantasy VII demo. And I'm like, Josh, I don't give a crap about Final Fantasy. Why would I download a demo? And he's like, dude, I think you might like it. And I'm like, okay. I don't even know why I listen to Josh, really, because I don't like Final Fantasy. <laughs> I downloaded it. And Final Fantasy VII demo was like pretty darn good. I'm like, I think I'm gonna buy this, and I bought it. And me and Erica both fell in love with Final Fantasy VII remake, and we just obsessed about it. And we both beat it. And then I played Kingdom Hearts, and I played the Final Fantasy VII original. And then, you know, now I'm working on 15. I play Crisis Core. Like, yeah. it's been oh, this yeah. long. Uh, it's since, basically since 2020. Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy VII particularly went right up to the my top games of all time. And then, uh, and Josh, of course, loved it too. It was an amazing experience for him. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the funny thing is, um, you know, Wesley comes in our community some point last year, and you listen to our Final Fantasy VII episode, not being a Final Fantasy VII fan yourself, or Final Fantasy fan yourself at all. And then because of listening to that episode, you're like, I'm going to go play Seven now. And you played Seven Original. And then you went on a tear and played like 13. And you played, uh, was it four? Mm-hmm. Um, now you're playing 15, uh, you played Crisis Core, and basically, like, just from listening to our episode and playing it yourself, you're, like, right up to speed. You're like, yep, Final Fantasy is one of the best things ever now. <laughs> yep. um, so, literally before this, me and Wesley were both playing 15 separately, waiting to do the podcast. So, mm-hmm. um, it's just kind of funny how that works, but... Uh, I think I've seen some yeah, tweets, but uh, how are you liking it so far? Is it Did it take a little bit to grow on you, or did it, did you like it right away? So yeah, uh, Wesley, you go ahead. Yeah, like like eight hours. It, it took me like around eight hours, I think, to really grab me because um, I was getting a lot of that. Like, I don't know. I was telling Brian about this, but I think a lot of like RPGs between the years, I don't know, twenty fourteen and onward, probably until until recently. There's just a lot of bloat, like a lot of like yes. quest givers that just they they give you the same quest over and over again. 
and it's just a different area or a different thing you got to get. And there is a lot of that in 15. Um, but I mean, Brian wouldn't know anything about that because he doesn't do side quests. Uh, <laughs> you know what? You're a hundred percent right. And you know, I wear that with pride, but it's funny, I, I never, I never really go into detail with it. I was but not like, expecting that. <laughs> I feel like I used to do side quests. I feel like I used to do side quests before the industry started making them such a huge thing. Yeah. And I realized how much I lost interest in games when the side quests just went on and on and on. I think one of the my breaking my breaking point might have been I not Josh, I could be wrong. My breaking point might have been Inquisition. Dragon Age Inquisition might have been the point where I said I am done doing side quests in games because that was notorious. We've mentioned on the podcast before like there was that Kotaku article everyone remembers where it's like Make sure you leave the hinterlands. If you just mm-hmm. play the hinterlands, you will hate this game because you will be there forever and you'll do the most monotonous things. And it's like, and that you're right. That was a point of of, of bloat in that area uh, of time. And Final Fantasy 15 came out in 2016. It is so crazy, dude. Because I remember, like, because the thing is, when you don't care about something, your mind just kind of it goes into this void of like this pocket of I don't care about it, right? And I remember people, I was working, I worked used to work at the Armory, and there'd be people talking about Final Fantasy VI, 15 just came out. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, and, and there was articles all over about Final Fantasy 15. I was just like, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. And I remember people not being happy with it, people saying it's so much different. A guy at work was like, have you played 15? I'm like, I don't care about Final Fantasy. And I'm like, is it good? And he's like, no, it's not that good. They, they changed all this stuff. And now I'm just, here I am in 2023, and you as well, like discovering this, you know, uh, the same, but uh, I don't know. Uh, so you said it took you about eight hours to get into it, Wesley, right? Yeah, yeah, it took me about eight hours to really grab me, and I think a lot of that is like story, you know, time spent with the with the Choco Bros, um, and kind of taking that time to figure out. Um, and this is the same thing I did with Dragon Age Inquisition, is taking that time to figure out what side quests are actually worth your time and what's just below. Um so yeah, about eight hours. Yeah, it took me longer, um, and I feel bad because my wife has a real personal attachment to Final Fantasy Fifteen. She loves Final Fantasy Fifteen, and she was so excited to watch me play it. She's like, "I'm gonna come upstairs. I'm gonna watch you play it." Aww. And I started it, and I was already in a bad mood. I, can't, I think I had like a headache, and like River had been like really annoying that day. And uh, but I started it, and it just gave me really bad vibes off the beginning, right off the beginning, because you start it starts you out. You know, there's these four dudes dressed all in black. They look like every screamo band I listened to in high school. They're all dressed in black, and they got, like, straight hair and, like, tattoos, and they're pushing their car through what looks like the middle of Arizona, and they push (laughs) the car up. You push the car up to a gas station, and there's this, like, country-like harmonica music playing, and I hate country music. I hate anything that sounds (laughs) twangy. And then Cindy comes out, who is basically half nude. Uh, yeah, I was like Brooks and Dunn, basically. And Cindy comes out, <laughs> she's basically like half nude. She's like, well, happy, this is Final Fantasy fifteen, And I'm like, nope, I don't like this game. She is an issue. You know? <laughs> yeah, and then, and then I get into the combat, and this is something I never thought I'd say, but Josh, I think I like Final Fantasy VII Originals turn-based. No, I, I don't think, I know. Oh, I like the turn-based better. Yeah, no, I, I like the turn-based better than this, because it's literally... The, 15 has the most like simplistic controls for fighting I've ever seen in my life. You basically mash circle. That's it. Like you can you can move around with some other buttons and you can do you can use your like uh, teammates for like a power up, 
but your basic attack is mash circle until they're dead. And I'm like, man, coming from Final Fantasy as a series, I'm like, holy crap, have they made this mundane. But it's also really accessible for people who didn't like 15. And that's one of the interesting things. When you start 15, the screen comes up. Every time you boot up 15, it's like a Final Fantasy for fans and new players alike. This was supposed to be like an entry point. Um, but yeah, we're playing 15 right now. Um, I don't want to. Do, I don't want to completely dictate the conversation here, Josh. What are you going to say? Well, no. I mean, I, I can talk a bit about that too because I do remember Xavier. See, when when I knew my friend Xavier uh, for a couple of years, I didn't know him to be a Final Fantasy fan. Then one day, 15 comes out, and it was like from that moment on, he was talking about 15 until he beat that. Then it was on to all the speculation about the the remake. And um, I remember when that came out. I remember that had that. Like I, I remember seeing a lot of criticisms from. Uh, Final Fantasy like purists that the combat was it's much weird. Different. Yeah. And then I know they had the, this DLC structure where they were coming out with different chapters like focusing on characters. Then they eventually eventually scuttled that because they had more planned, I think. But um, Well, they did come know, out with a bunch, but the, they, the did. Is they, no, they seemed yeah. like they should be in the game, the base. Right. Well, I that's that's one in particular I've always wanted to get to, so... I mean, I'll I'll be curious to hear your guys' thoughts as you guys progress through it because that's one. I know, no. Ten's the one, like after, like outside of seven related Final Fantasy stuff that I want to play. I've played enough of that one to know. Ten is I, the like, second love most it. popular. But and I love the turn-based combat, so that's like mm-hmm. right up my alley. But then I actually really like how the world and everything looks in fifteen. And plus, I want to watch. I think it's Kingsclave. Is it? That's mm-hmm. the prequel yeah. movie, I think. Right? Yeah, I want to watch yeah. that. Have you seen that, Wesley? I have it. No. I'll, yeah. I'll end up watching it, but yeah. I mean, I haven't beat the game yet, but I'm getting closer, and I know for sure I, I really like 15, regardless of what my final mm-hmm. score is. I, I really like it, um, but I mean, I think I guess I guess what I will just will back up, Wesley. What was your experience like? Okay, so first of all, g- get me to the point where you get done listening to our podcast mm-hmm. where we talk about Final Fantasy VII remake. What was it particularly about the way we talked about it or what we said that made you interested in trying it? Oh my gosh, I don't I I don't even remember. It's like it's like almost a gift that as soon as I started the original Final Final Fantasy VII, the memory of listening to that episode was kind of wiped from my mind. Um, it's good. I, good. It's a, a <laughs> yeah, gift. Yeah, no good. Because not not that I don't love to have your beautiful voices in in my memory, but uh, because I guess you guys talked about some spoilers or theories for a remake, and I just don't remember any of that. Yeah. It's I'm just. Good. I'm like full of all of my first impressions from the original. That's good. Final yeah. Fantasy VII, which like, whew, even now, just listening to songs from the soundtrack make me feel a certain sort of way. Like it's it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think I think because the thing is when we were I, I'm assuming I haven't listened to that episode in a long time, but we were probably like throwing out terminologies and character names and places and stuff and you were probably just like interested and wanted to try it. And once you try it and you start forming, you know, you play a game and you start to formulate for yourself, like, oh, this is the character, this is their motivation, this is the area, this is the story. That kind of becomes your memory of it, right? Because it was just a bunch of, you know, mumbo jumbo when we're talking about it and you haven't played it. But uh, yeah, you got through seven pretty quick, I think I remember. And also you went right into seven. Like for me, a big benefit of seven, of being able to get into seven was I had the remake treatment, which was a 2020 game. To get to lull me into that old archaic game design, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, man, seven, ooh, amazing. Yeah. Josh, you started it, but then you're like, then other games came out, and that was that, right? Like, well, it's that's another classic case of I can tell I'm gonna like it, 
but I'm already in the middle of other stuff. I have to shelve it until I get until yeah. I can really fully commit to it. Because I just sometimes I get in a bad habit of playing like three games at like one time, but I'm like inching my way through them because I'm like mm. I'll be playing one of them and then I'm like oh I really want to switch over and do this right now. I do that and then it's like you know, I wish I had like two other versions of me that could play the other games in my backlog that I want to yeah. get to. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I, I don't want to uh, half ass games like that i want to whole acid so i figured i better wait but it it was it was really cool i actually i I get a weird because of my friend xavier showing me so much of it prior to the remake coming out i have a strange backdoor sense of nostalgia for it so i see those animations i see certain moments um i hear the score like the soundtrack in general and um in that just kind of like steampunky vibe in some of the the backdrops that they have in the original, and I get nostalgic for that stuff because of yeah, that. I get that too because my my I had friends growing up who had Final Fantasy VII in their house, yeah, and I would just look at it and think that's a game I have no interest in. But now I look back and I'm like, holy crap! Like that was there when I was a child, and like it's one of the best games I've ever played. Now, you know, yeah, just kind of well, insane. who's your favorite character, Wesley? Um, well, it's it's got to be Cloud. Yeah, I like it's almost it's almost unfair. Like his the way his character develops, um, it's it's so it's so at least for me, it's really unique. Like I didn't expect a lot of the stuff that ends up happening to him. So I don't know. It's almost it's almost unfair because to me, it's like it's cloud. And then there's like no second like everybody else. It's like cloud and then spaces and then everybody else. Um, Yeah, way down. That's. That's another thing, man. Like, I spent so much of my life, people would talk about, I'd be on forums, or I'd be with friends at school, and people would talk about, you know, who's your favorite character in gaming? What are the best characters in gaming? People mention Cloud all the time. I'd be like, no, shut up. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, he sucks. He's just Mr. GR, JRPG man. He's spiky hair man. He's like a Super Saiyan, but he's not from Dragon Ball. I don't want him, <laughs> you know? And now I'm like, yeah, Cloud, he's basically, you know, one of the best characters, if not the best in, in gaming, you know? But it's just, it's one of those things where, you know, time and place... Um, and now I, I'm forever going to have such a sweet memory of that because it was during it was right when the lockdown happened. So me and my wife were both home with we didn't have to work. Yeah, and rub it in. Final Fantasy VII remake came out, yeah. and it was like started playing remake, and I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. And then Erica started playing, it, and she's like, holy shit, this is awesome. And it was like we have to share this thing, and like we didn't want to spoil each other. So there'd be I remember there was this one point where I played for hours, and then Erica's like, you need to mow the lawn. I'm like. Okay. So then she started playing, and I was mowing the lawn, sweating my ass off, and I'm looking in the window, and she's in there like fighting Shinra dudes, and I'm like, I can't wait to get back to Final Fantasy VII. And I remember staying up all night playing it and just sleeping through the day because I didn't have to go to work. And then I, and then after I beat it, I was like, okay, I'm playing original seven now. And I remember sitting on my, I have this memory of sitting on the couch. Actually, I think I have a video of it I can post somewhere. I'm sitting on the couch with my dog and watching the original seven uh, cutscene of of Tifa and Cloud sitting on the water tower. And I'm playing it in four by three aspect ratio with the black bars on the side. This old game, my dog's sitting there, and my dog's just watching it. And I'm just really good memories. It, it felt like childhood because we were making more money than ever. We weren't working, and we were playing games all night, and staying up, and, and and sleeping in. And it was just a really good time. Um, but you know what's crazy about you know when you look at the history of of remake, and obviously I'm not going to talk about any remakes, spoiler stuff, Wesley. But you look at the history of remake, it's kind of crazy how this came to be because. I think it was 1999, I could be off by a year or so, but they announced that they were going to do remakes of Final Fantasy 7, 8, and 9 for the PS2 in like 1999. Uh, and I think it was due to the success of how well Resident Evil Remake turned out, something like that. 
And then Resident Evil Remake didn't sell very well, even though it was like highly critically acclaimed. And um, things just, I guess the, the development time like got longer as you know the consoles got better. And they just never referred to it ever. Like they never referred to that again. They said they were going to remake 7, 8, and 9 for PS2. Never brought it up again. And then no one, and everyone's expecting it's going to happen. And then literally six, seven years later, they show off the PS3 and they redo the intro scene of Final Fantasy VII for the PS3. Have you watched that yourself, Wesley? I I haven't. I knew there was some history with the oh we're going to make a remake and then it never happens. But not not much beyond that. You should you should watch it, dude, because you'll you'll be like it's really interesting mm-hmm. because there's a full on Final Fantasy VII remake cutscene from 2006. So it like looks way better than Final Fantasy VII original, but nowhere near as good as the actual remake. Wasn't it just there, like, exists a demo? in time. Is it was like it was a technical demo. So it's okay. literally the whole opening with Aerith and the train and Midgar and Cloud jumps off the the train and it pulls a sword out and then it ends. Oh wow! And it's like it's like Final Fantasy thirteen graphics almost. People lost but their for minds. Seven. Yeah. And it's weird. So then so then of course you know now people see that and they're like oh my gosh they're making Final Fantasy seven for PS three. And then Square's like, no, we're not making, we're not making remake. Period. <laughs> what? What? And they're like, like, are you kidding me? Well, like, we just saw that, and they, because they, and then they went full into thirteen, which thirteen was this huge project because they created a whole engine for it. You know, the game, the sequels. It was the first game in HD, and then it wasn't until twenty fifteen. And the funny thing is, I can't even remember the announcement. I watch every E three, I watch every Game Awards. I can't even remember seven remakes announcement because. I didn't care, you know, and it's funny, I I do remember, I remember they announced for the PS4, I think it was 2014, they announced Final Fantasy VII was coming to PS4, Mm -hmm. the original, for download, and everyone was like, we want a remake, and then it was 2015, a year later, they showed a little clip of like behind Cloud and Barrett walking, and they're like, Final Fantasy VII Remake is now in production, and then a year later, in 2016, they announced that they had just got done writing the scenario for how the game would, would work. They hadn't started development, just the scenario. And everyone's like, oh my gosh. 2016, <laughs> yeah. they hadn't started developing the game. And then it was announced, I think it was 2017, they announced uh, they're restarting the project because they had put someone else It was CyberConnect that was originally attached to develop it. Cyber and then Connect. they decided to take it in-house. Yeah, Yeah. so they took it in-house, like this is too important. So they restarted, and then it took till 2020 to come out. <clears throat> and like I said, like... I'm sure I can't imagine like I wasn't there for the hype building up to it because I got it on launch day, but Josh basically convinced me to get it like a, a week or less before it came out. It was out, a pendulum so it was shift. It really was because yeah. I mean I was I was there, but Xavier had talked my ear off about it, and then I was like Brian, you got to try the demo. Like you said, you tried it, and then it was like from that moment on, like in that day that we both like were trying the demo out, we were equal parts Final Fantasy fans, right? And then immediately. That ha- Brian plays it, momentum shifts. I go down, or, or the same level, Brian goes, <laughs> rocket to the moon, baby. And it's just, he ate it up that whole year, pretty much. So, yeah. It just, I mean, it just like, I, it almost never happens. It just, literally, just like that, it surpassed almost all the best games I've ever played. lightning like, in a bottle moment, because it's rare yeah. for like a, it's rare for like any franchise that's been established to suddenly come in for us that have yeah. played games for so long. And that we've never tried, and then you suddenly try it, and you're like, oh my god, I got to, I have to fully immerse myself in this now. It's rare that that happens, because yeah. what haven't we tried? I had a coworker uh, a few hours ago at work that was like, hey, you played uh, Mario 64, right? And I went, nope. And she was like, what? <laughs> she was like, you, you have it? And I was like, nope, but I've, 
I've seen other people play it. She's like, I thought you played it. I never had a Nintendo 64, but I know yeah. other people that have it, mm-hmm. that have, you know, and then and she was like, I thought you would have played that. I'm like, I just never have, but I know it's an amazing game. I know it's one of the best of all time. And I haven't played one since the original Nintendo, and then when I was on vacation two weeks ago, I started playing Super Mario Galaxy, and uh, I was like, oh, damn, this is good. So yeah. I can... I get it. Well, it, it's interesting too because, like, as a gameplay wise, like, des- game design, why I think Mario holds up way better than Final Fantasy VII original. But the thing is, the story and themes. You don't agree, Wesley? Um, that's just bias. I'm not a big platformer fan. Okay. Not well, I'm saying the story, the story and themes of Final Fantasy VII are transcendent and like mm. even more relevant today than they were in 1997. Mario didn't really have story or themes. It was just, you know, have fun in this open world. I, I feel like it's more the like it's easier to sit down and play Mario and run around and get stars than it is to play Final Fantasy yeah. VII original. I think maybe but, the only... I don't... You guys can call me out if I'm being too generous, but guys, I'm biased, obviously. But I think, I think really the only thing that doesn't hold up well for the original Final Fantasy is probably just, like, uh, overworld, uh, like, traveling and stuff like that. Because the combat is oh. still like super tight and real, like I think it's, what you're referring to, I think it's the same thing. I think I agree with you, it, but it, it's basically the the three cheat codes they put in the menu were to fix the problems. And one of them, I don't know why they included one. Of, there's three little options when you play seven now that's on the side that it's like it's like options that take place outside of the game to make the game easier. And one of them is to give you maximum limit breaks for all your characters every battle which is flat out cheating to me i don't know why that's there yeah but the other two lets you speed up battle speeds by three times the speed which when you're summoning stuff constantly i'm battles could have taken 12 15 minutes to do one battle now you can get it done in a couple minutes and then the other thing is you can turn off random encounters because if you're just trying to find your way in the overworld and you don't need to fight people, you're just trying to find your way, it's really annoying to constantly have random encounters. So the fact that lets you turn the random encounters off and speed up battles mm-hmm. does make it work for today. So I guess, yeah, if that was... That pretty much, like... If those options weren't there, I mean, it would be really hard to play Final Fantasy VII because yeah. you're talking, I mean, a 10, hour, 10 hours of playing that game, what you'd get as much accomplished as you probably do in, like, four without those options. So, um well, Ben. Yeah, no. I, I mean, go ahead, Brian. Go ahead, go ahead, Josh. Oh, no. Okay. Well I, well, I did want to switch it up at least for a few minutes because I did want to get your takes on Elder Scrolls stuff. You're you're a huge Elder Scrolls fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, where did you get your start, and what's your favorite? Oh boy. Uh, so I got my start. My my dates and timelines are all messed up. Like even even if even like with Halo, like. I don't know. Those those first years of me discovering video games are, are just kind of a like a blur to me. But blur. I I my first Elder Scrolls game was Morrowind, and my mm, cousin. Same. I used to spend a lot of time at my cousin's house, and he came home one day, and he had gone to GameStop and just like rummaged through the like five dollar bin or whatever. Uh, like yeah, you. I missed that. And yeah, me too. And he comes home with with a copy of Morrowind, and neither one of us know anything about this game. Like it's just totally like mm. alien to us. And he throws it in, and he spends like two seconds making his character. So he's just this like bald imperial <laughs> with no armor, and he's just running around, and he's he's like stealing things from people, and doesn't know that he's stealing, and he ends up in jail, and he's like, why did my attributes go down? And he's like running around in the dark, and he has no idea what he's <laughs> doing. And the whole time, I'm just sitting there like. 
this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And it was just my cousin running around with with no like no idea what to do. And right. I just I just had to play it. I had never seen a game that gave you so much freedom before. Like I was I was like Super Mario Sunshine, Super Smash Bros, Pokemon, Spyro, stuff like that. Those were games to me. I had never seen anything that was like Oh yeah, see that like I'll, I'll use a Todd Howardism. See that mountain over there? You can go there. Like I just, it was crazy to me. And so when I finally jumped in, I was like, oh, you know, if you pick up a sword, you can actually fight people. And it was just, it was just bonkers. Like, and I would say that if it weren't for its age, um, that would probably still be my favorite. But. The Elder Scrolls world and its lore is, is it's probably my favorite fictional universe ever. And so Skyrim still offers the best way to jump into that world, so it has to be my favorite. Sure. That makes sense. So when the game's coming out in November of 2011, is that like is it is every day like a drag for you because I remember it was for me I'm trying to get to that point. I mean, Brian too, all of us, it was pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah, it was I like I I couldn't wait. Like I it was it was that Morrowind moment like again for me when I saw like the first the first demo that they did um where you know he's walking through um River uh, Riverwood. Um yeah. I was just yeah. I was like, "Wow, look at his animations. Like he looks like he's actually got some like weight in his arms and way too. <laughs> yeah, he's like he's not just like he's not just like soft jogging like Oblivion and he's like yeah. a ragdoll. Like man, yeah, it was it was that Morrowind moment all over again for me and I I just couldn't wait. I think I I think I didn't go to school like the day after it came out or something like that. Like I just I just played it Five all day. 5 days off work. <laughs> yeah. 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 I still remember seeing the initial like gameplay trailer, like not the demo, but just the initial sort of like trailer where they they got the monologue and everything. And I remember it showed him sprinting in first person. I was like, oh my god, that was a big deal for me because I was like, you know, I don't, I didn't mm-hmm. fast, tra- I don't, I don't like to fast travel in those games. So uh, I, when I saw that you could sprint, I was like, game changer. You know, and it's just so funny. It's like what would what would absolutely tear down the Halo community for years, you know, is something that I, I came to just fall in love with and get so hyped about with Elder Scrolls. But dude, uh that's awesome. You say you love the lore and stuff. Are you one of the people that when you play these games that you actually pick up the books, you read some of the books in the games or, or you pass yeah. them? Yeah. Yeah, e- either that or I'll find a book that looks interesting and then I'll go look it up later and read it. Like when I can't play the game, I'll like do that yeah. instead. I'll read the books, try to try to make better use of that time. But yeah, I just like oh, for sure. The Elder Scrolls universe is something that's like on the surface level, it appeals to so many people. Um, you know, everybody can jump in and it's it's this exciting fantasy world and it seems pretty you know, it seems pretty cut and dry and understandable. And that's like, if that's all it is to you, that's great. That's awesome. But I'm a, I'm definitely like a deep lore nerd. Like you go in underneath the surface and you're like, oh, wow. Um, you know, Vivek from Morrowind is actually, he's actually a piece of crap. Uh, he's not a good guy. Um, it's just like, it just opens up so much more um, to the player if, if, if that's... There's layers. There, yeah, there's layers. Elder Scrolls is like an onion. <laughs> Have you played Elder Scrolls online? 
Or is that like I, I haven't. I I tend to bounce off MMOs pretty hard. Um, so I I, don't I, blame you. I would really like to give it a, like a good try this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually with M- there's just so much. Like even just opening up the menu in an MMO is overwhelming to me. It just seems like there's so much going on, like skill trees and shops and perks and all this stuff. So I don't know. I'd like to give it a good try this year. We'll see. I tried that with some friends a few years back um, when it was still relatively new, and you know, and I've I've come back around to it a couple times since then, and I, I like it each time I play it. But the one problem I've had, uh, which I mean, I, I I'm not as I don't have as much experience as Brian does with MMO stuff, um, but I noticed the problem for me was like you get to like a town center, for example, and I care about the story. I want like, I want to get invested in that. That's going to enhance the gameplay for me. So I would go and talk to this person. I don't want to talk to every single person before I left the town, pick up every little bit of info, every quest I could and get every bit of lore nuggets I could. But then all my other friends are at different tempos and speeds and they're, they're finished crafting their stuff. They're ready to go. This person's got this quest they want to go do and they have to get off shortly. And it was, it was, it made it really, really weird. But I do remember playing oblivion a lot thinking, you know, what would be cool to play this two player co-op with a friend, mm-hmm. you know? So I, 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 I'll tell the story real quick, but I had this, um, I got into Morrowind and it was a sensory overload moment for me, kind of like you, where it's like I never knew a game could have this much freedom. I had so much agency. I didn't know what to do. And I came to this signpost, and it was like left or right, basically. And I was like, you know, I, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm used to going the wrong way in games first, and then that way I, I know when I'm on the right path that I've done everything else. So I'm just on that clear, straight, and narrow. But it's like there was no right path. The, the right path is the one you want to go on and make it. And I was like, what? <laughs> you know? And then... um. I would call my buddy and we would talk on the phone while we were each playing it separately and he'd be over at some part and I'd go travel there in in my game and just you know it was like a really cool bonding moment like hey I'm there too man you know and it was it was really fun so uh, uh Morrowind and Oblivion have always held a special place in in my heart for me. So what do you think about Oblivion? What's your what's your thoughts on that one? <clears throat> so I mean I I I love Oblivion. I it's it's in my top fifteen games of all time. Um, I think it's just one one slot after Morrowind. Um, I love it, but I I kind of missed out on on Oblivion. I think when I discovered Morrowind, it wasn't too much. It wasn't too long after I discovered Morrowind that Oblivion released, because. Um, this is a common theme throughout my entire gaming history is I've probably played every game late, like way late. Um, so yeah, I, my, my first exposure to oblivion was mostly watching people like fool around with it in like YouTube videos and stuff. And so my first impression was like, what happened to the art style? Like I went from, from Morrowind, which was so like dark and like angular and stuff to like all these like, ugly baby faced people and like all, <laughs> like yes well actually listen orcs i can excuse cuz they're already supposed to be ugly in fact okay. when i play oblivion now i play as an orc because then i'm like okay i don't have to care what he looks like he's going to be ugly regardless um yeah. but yeah i just like the way that it looked and then like how ragdolly people were I don't I don't know why, but for some reason ragdoll physics were weird to me. Like I don't know if I had played many games at that point with like ragdoll physics. 
Um, I don't know what the timeline was, but the I, jumping was the worst. Yes. Brian, yes. did it have the creation engine? What was the engine for that one? Do you remember? It was creation. Yeah, it's creation, always creation. Okay. Yeah. 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 But the jump was like <clears throat> none of your joints moved. You just yeah. hopped straight mm-hmm. up. Yeah. Oh, dude, I would eat like 40 things of bone meal and my character would want to <laughs> discombobulate. It was awesome. Yeah. It's funny because I, I got I got Morrowind kind of the same way you did, Wesley. I, I, it was like four bucks in a bargain bin for Xbox. And I, I was like, I'm going to buy this game because it's four bucks. It's got to be good, right? And then it's got to be at least good enough to be worth four bucks. And, you know, I was a very simplistic gamer. Like, I need to be handheld when I was like, I need to be have my hand held while I play. Mm-hmm. Um, not a handheld system. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, so I, started, I started Morrowind and I was just like, I don't know where to go. I don't know what the story is. Uh, when I swing at an enemy, it kills me, and I don't hit it. Um, so <laughs> that I was, was like, worse. So I'm just like, I'm I'm done with this game. Sold it immediately, and then a couple years, a few years later, I get an Xbox 360, and I'm like, everyone and their mother talks about Oblivion. Got to get Oblivion. So I get Oblivion, and I've told this before in the podcast too. So I won't go super long into it, but I get Oblivion, and I'm just like, this game sucks ass. This game is awful. <laughs> Hate this game. Yeah. And then I ended up buying it like four or five, I lose count, four or five times I bought it again to try it because everyone's just like, have you played Oblivion? I'm like, how do you like this game? Like everyone looks so stupid. Everyone's like, it runs stupid. You're the combat you is like, of the high end? yeah. Oh, ah. And I'm like, that's like, it's so silly to me. It was so stupid. And then finally, finally, it was after that video you were talking about where they show off Skyrim like a year in advance. And it's like you're you see giants and mammoths and the graphics look so good, everything looks so good, and the everyone in the industry is just like Skyrim is going to be my life. This mm-hmm. is the next level. I wanted to be a part of it. So I went to my brother whose favorite game of all time, my younger brother's favorite game of all time was Oblivion at the time. I was like, help me, please help me get into Oblivion. I don't know if it's possible. I've tried so many times. I was like, can you sit? He's like, he's like, and he's like, I will sit next to you and I will tell you how to do everything at every moment. To get you into it, and that's what he did. He sat good, there, good guy, and like great. every little thing. He's like, "Go here, go there, pick this up. You'll want to wear this. You'll want to put your points into that." And somewhere along the line, it literally clicked for me. I was like, "I love talking to characters and doing quests and like learning." To, like you know, I did like um, Who Done It, and mm. I did The Dark mm-hmm. Brotherhood, and like moments like Who Done It, where you know you're killing everybody, or moments where, like where Lucy and Lachance is dead, and, and he's not the one who did it. It were moments that were just like, oh, my gosh. And then I, and I played Shivering Isles and Knights of the Nine, and I was like, oh, my Shame gosh, I love this game. Love this game now. And then Skyrim came out, and me and Josh and my little brother went to the midnight launch together. We had Arby's, uh, and we, we sat in the car and waited. And Crate, my younger brother, he got the Legendary Edition with the Alduin statue. I don't know if you got Did you get that one, Wesley? No, I just got the – I got whatever, whichever one came with the map. I think that was basic pre-order, probably. That's basic, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think I got that. I got that in the guide. I remember. Mm-hmm. But my brother, like a year, in, like right after he watched the unveil for Skyrim, like a year in advance, he was like, "I." He went to my parents. He's like, "I will do anything for money. I have one year. I need one hundred fifty dollars for the for the Alduin statue version." <laughs> so he got it. But we went to the midnight launch, and and it was super exciting. There was people larping outside there. It was flooded with people. Josh has mentioned before, like we were all sitting in the car like an hour before it came out, and then I was like, "You guys want to go up and?" And chat with Brian's like, hey, I'll, I'm going to be, uh, I'm social enough that I could do a podcast in like 10 years. So I'm going to go talk <laughs> to all these people that I don't know. <laughs> and I was like, I'm yeah, going to stay in the car. And, and Josh were like, nah, we'll just, we'll just stay here and, and not yeah. talk to people. And I'm like, but well, it was I'm cool. Go that that was there. the moment 
that was the moment when I really got to know Creighton one on one. So I always treasure that moment. Despite yeah. missing so out. The introvert stayed in the car and I went right to the front of the line. I was talking to everybody and I saw a bunch of people I knew there and we were just chatting and then but eventually Creighton and no Creighton and, and Josh got out of the car and they came once it got closer to midnight. We got the game and and I loved the game. I, I think Skyrim, like, of course it's all opinion. So like I can't say Skyrim's objectively the best, but as someone who prefers Oblivion, someone who got into the series late, and someone who's not not as invested as someone like Wesley, I just feel like Skyrim's obviously the best Elder Scrolls. Like obviously it's not gonna be everyone's favorite. It's the most successful, be, you know. But like mm-hmm. Skyrim is the one that made like it didn't have all the jank as much. And it was it just it had the right graphical fidelity, the right accessibility, the right setting. It just it was all the lightning in the bo- everything coming. You know the other games. I still love the UI. I love the UI yeah. in that game so much. So it was to me. It's just like the reason Skyrim's so successful is because like that that was when they nailed it. Like that that's people's favorites. It makes sense to me. Uh, uh, Wesley, but, so I, I love Skyrim. What's I gotta that? Ask you. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Brian. You can go okay. ahead and finish. Um, no, Wesley, I was gonna ask you. Uh, do you think in the next Elder Scrolls game that we'll see the return of the Dwemer? Do you ever think we'll see the return of the Dwemer? So, as a, do you want to? I, you know what? It's be, being being a fan of the Elder Scrolls lore has like changed has like changed a lot of my opinions about like entertainment because usually usually I'm that guy that's like I, I want every mystery to be resolved like I want to know but. Honestly, I, I don't know if I want to see the return of the Dwemer. I think mm. in any story, having those things that are just always a mystery and are more or less up to the player or the viewer to decide, I think those really help the like timelessness or longevity of a of a series. Um, so I think it's more fun to just endlessly speculate about what happened to them and where they are than, you know what? It's possible that that you as a player could get to meet a like pocket of Dwimmer somewhere that mm-hmm. they wouldn't like fully come back, but that you'd get to meet some that were like off in oblivion somewhere because that's a theory. Yeah, um, that would be cool. I would actually really like that, but not a not like a full on return. No, no, that makes sense. I think I think the reasons you gave is uh, actually kind of spot on the nose um, of like Halo, for example. Sometimes you reveal stuff and then it sends people in different directions of, of whether or not. Yeah, so I, th- I think Halo was more interesting when when the Forerunners weren't revealed, you know. And I, yeah. I think one of the reasons why Lord of the Rings continues to be so interesting is that it's so fleshed out and so well realized, but not every question is answered. Still, we have mm-hmm. no idea who the Blue Wizards are, what their purpose was. Oh yeah, uh, I never know. There. Never gonna know who Tom Bombadil, you know, if he was really. We'll never know. Or J.R.R. was just like, I'm joking. That guy's nothing. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, Wesley, what do you what do you think the next Elder Scrolls is going to be? What do you think it's going to be set? I mean, yeah. So I've I've I have no obviously I have no I don't really know at all. But I have heard from some people um, because I listen to a podcast um, and some of the people involved with this podcast are actually they know people that work on the Elder Scrolls. So this is kind of like juicy three or four degrees removed from the source or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But basically, I've heard from people who might know a thing or two that it's going to be in Daggerfall. No, not Daggerfall, sorry. Um, oh, where the Red Guards are. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I yeah so basically we're going to go west. So it's not Elsewire. No. I, I don't think that they would do a mainline game in one of the beasts, um, the beast Hammerfell? folk. 
Hammerfell, yeah. Hammer. Yeah. Oh, I think I'll it's going it to be in I don't know this guys. <laughs> no, that's that's good cuz I I got confused cuz Daggerfall is is the Elder Scrolls 2 and that's like yeah, a like a city. Um but yeah. I don't think they do a mainline game in one of the uh provinces of the Beast Folk just because that would probably be a hard sell um to a lot of people. It's like here's this game and you play as a cat. I mean Personally, I would love that because I think the Khajiit are really, really interesting. But I because I always primarily play as Khajiit. My my last my most recent Skyrim playthrough is a is a two handed Khajiit warrior, and he is awesome. And I, I you know, yeah, man. at first I was like, I don't know if I don't know cat people sounds kind of weird. Like I don't know if I'm into that, but like <laughs> their their lore is really, really cool. Really cool. Yeah. Every character I've ever made, white, nord, brown hair, sword, and shield. <laughs> Super oh, basic. I, I love playing as Khajiit just mostly because of the stealth bonuses and stuff and, like, mm-hmm. the night eye and whatnot. But, man, I had one where I – one playthrough. I didn't get too far in it, but I was just going around, like, uh, doing my fisticuffs, beating them up hand-to-hand. Because, I mean, my favorite thing in Skyrim, honestly, out of that entire game – is literally the, the kill animations. I love that they introduced those. Didn't this and I was going around suplex and necromancers and shit. I was having, that was in the base game, was it? No, it w- oh, well, it was, but then some aspects weren't. Like, if you were a mage and you were casting spells, the kill animations for those were later added in via patch. So it was only melee? Uh, well, I think that and, like, regular sword stuff. But I think it's for bow and arrows and then the magic stuff. I think they added that okay. in via patch. I could be wrong, though, but... Yeah, love the Khajiit. Man, uh, and then the expansions they added for that game were just made it that much better. You know, dag- or dagger, or not Daggerfall, um, <laughs> Dragonborn and yeah, yeah, Dragonborn <laughs> and Dawnguard. Uh huh. Dawnguard blew my I, mind when I played it. Well, I love Dawnguard, but I do not like the Soul Cairn. The Soul Cairn part was rough. No, yeah. I don't remember it, but yeah. it was it was tough. Well, not tough. It was just I, I wanted to explore every nook and cranny, but I was like really wanting to leave that place but the story was great what it added mm-hmm. to it i mean serena oh serena was wonderful great character i don't know i love i love that game and its lore i love that what's your Where, favorite i'm sorry uh real quick what's your favorite lore bit is there anything in particular with elder scrolls that has always oh, fascinated man. you um so the Probably so. Viv, I I can choose some characters. Probably uh, Vivek from Morrowind is super super interesting, um, especially when you like you dig into how the tribunal got their like god powers, and that mm-hmm. basically um, the thirty six lessons of Vivek that you can read in in game um, are basically Vivek rewriting his origin after he became a god. So everything in those books is technically not true, but now it is true. It's like very weird. It's like sort of it falsified in a way, or no? Like he he changed reality, and those things actually happened now. Like it's oh. yeah, oh wow. Like okay. like um, when I first played Morrowind, I thought that they like the three of them were kind of like um, I don't know, like demigod, like like pretenders or whatever but like no they were they were legitimately like uber powerful um oh wow another one is is uh bring it back to oblivion for you guys is knights of the nine is like knights of the nine is super like lord nerdy like goodness because yeah. pelinal white strike is a strange strange man um and it's it's just i love the contrast 
because, and this is like this, this sort of contrast is all over the Elder Scrolls where on the surface, Pelinal Whitestrike is this, is just that like, you know, your typical sword and sorcery, like knight in shining armor. But actually he's kind of crazy and he hates elves. And I, uh, he, <clears throat> he, he, uh, he bit, I think he, he bit like an elf's head off or something. Um, what? I remember yeah. that. Holy cow. Yeah. Um, and supposedly like his arm is actually a lightsaber and really he's a time traveling cyborg. Um, yeah. If you, <laughs> just, wow. if you, if you take the time to read all, all, I think it's seven or six or seven volumes of the song of Pelinal, which won't take you too long. Mm-hmm. It's, it's bonkers crazy. Like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. I never read that. Yeah. Is it as crazy as the lusty Argonian? Uh, oh, no, no, uh, we don't talk about that. <laughs> that's, but I'm that's sorry, pretty, though, uh, were you yeah. going to ask gonna say, uh, Yeah. What I was going to take us into Dragon Age. What's your hmm. history of Dragon Age, Wesley? Talking about oh, fantasy. So I think, I think I discovered Dragon Age. Um, so, so to give you some context, the way, the way that my gaming history kind of works is I was a, I was a game, GameCube was my first console. And I was like big into all the major games. Love game- that console. Yeah. I was big into all the major GameCube games and then Pokemon on the side with like the Game Boys. Um, and then a friend of mine um, at church gave me his original Xbox. Um, I don't remember what the reason was, but he just like gave it to me. He's like, here, here's my original Xbox. Go have fun. And so first I was a Star Wars kid. Like I just played all the Star Wars games on Mommy. the original Xbox. Yeah, jo- yeah, Josh, Josh should understand. Um, and then, and then I got into Morrowind. I got into Halo. And then when I finally get my 360, I'm just like, all right, I'm like almost 10 years behind. I need to, I need to just play the greatest hits on this console. And one of those was Dragon Age. You know, I, I had already played Bioshock. I had already played um, Mass Effect. Um, I had all those games, and so I get to Dragon Age just because it's on everybody's list of 360 games that you need to play. Um, and I loved it. Like, again, it was another one of those moments for me where I was like, I didn't know, like, I could be my own person and live in a different world and have, like, all these, like, relationships with these characters the way that you can. Like, mm-hmm. just the freedom to talk to them and, um, like, you, you can, Shout like, out to can Alice be your there, man. Yeah. One yeah. of my BFFs in, in games ever. Like, oh, right. best BFFs. And you can her. be friends with him or you can, like, he can hate you. Like, just yeah. just, <laughs> just the way that, how yeah, how different every playthrough of that could potentially be was, was kind of new to me. I guess I had gotten some of that with Mass Effect. But when you put a fantasy skin on all of it, that's when it really hit me because that's where my heart is. So, yeah. Dragon Age Origins, and then I bounced off of Dragon Age 2 just because it was so different and it was so, like, all the enemies were, like, way bullet spongy. Um, I did end up finishing it, but I think I pulled a Brian and did it on easy mode. Um, and then, yeah, and then Inquisition was just... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't blame you, though. Brian had a weird... Uh, well, not weird, but, I mean, you had an interesting journey with that, too, because... Go ahead, Definitely. Yeah. It was weird. No, I mean, because basically, uh, it was the same thing. Actually, it's the same thing that happened with Skyrim, where I asked my brother to help me get into Oblivion because I wanted to play Skyrim. But with Josh, I was like, Inquisition looks cool. It's coming out later this year. I want to get into Dragon Age. Help me out. So 
I started Dragon Age Origins, and you know what? Like, the, Josh, this will make you happy and sad. Um, I always oh, talk boy. about to me how like Dragon Age Origins combat is just the most ass combat ever. I hate it, hate it. But here's I'm the good sad. part. That was the bad part. That was the bad part, Josh. Good part well, I'm is sad. Okay. I'm coming around to liking turn based. Like I think like turn based. I like turn based a lot. Uh, where I don't like Dragon, whatever Dragon Ages is Origins. I mean, it's kind of a quasi. Ugh, I hated it. But anyways, go ahead, Josh. You want to say something? Well, I was just gonna say. I'll say this real quick. I I think I'm coming to realize that. I like real-time combat when I play first-person shooters. When I play third-person games, most third-person games, if it's an RPG, I like to play turn-based because I feel like I get to kind of take in things more, take the time and all the things I've looted, and I get to utilize better, more thought in more thoughtful ways. It challenges me in that way. But go ahead. You have something to say, Wesley? I was just going to say I, th- I think I liked Dragon Age combat because it reminded me of Kodor. Um, I can see totally. that. Really That's the same for Josh, yeah. right? Yeah, yep. Uh, so for me, it's for me personally, it's really hard to get in that combat. But Josh, like, stick with it. Such good stories, such good characters. And sure enough, that's what happened. I, I absolutely adored the characters of Origins. Loved the quests. Loved the story. By the time I finished the game, I was fatigued by the combat. But I really enjoyed. Like, I played. I went and played the DLC. Uh, I went and then I went into Dragon Age Two. So I, I loved Dragon Age One um, a lot. And then I played Dragon Age Two, and I was like, you know, Dragon Age Two is easier to play for me. But obviously, it's not as good. It's got a lot of problems. Um, so then I, you know, that put me on the doorstep. I think I finished those up around like one month before Inquisition came out and Inquisition came out and I think it was a multitude of things. One, I, I think I just had fatigue from playing Dragon Age cause I just played two full games. I didn't like the combat for either that much. And then it was like, okay, here's another huge Dragon Age to play. And so there's a little fatigue going into it. And then I still didn't love the combat. I thought it was, you know, better. But I still didn't love it. And then, you know, there was the whole Hinterlands thing. And then even you know, outside of the Hinterlands, all the areas just had so Storm many Coast, MMO-like yeah. quests. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, fetchy quests. And I was like, man, you know, by the time I got halfway through Dragon Age Inquisition, I just wanted to be done with it. And I, I had told, I think I probably told Josh, I was like, I don't know if I'm really that big of a Dragon Age fan. Um, so I beat the game and got it over with. And I, I kind of just never looked, I didn't really look back. But then in my mind, I was like, oh, yeah, but I, I'll always remember Origins. And Origins had such a great story. And so I would always think about Origins. Well, then finally, uh, I think it was 2020, you know, early in the year before Halo Infinite came out, I was like, I want to revisit Dragon Age again. And I tried Origins, and actually I tried Origins again uh, in 2022. I just can't, I cannot stomach the gameplay. I can't. Like, I hey, can't. At least you beat at, it at once. Least, at least I beat it the one time. So I got to experience it. Yeah, but like, sure. I cannot stomach playing the game. I, I hate it. So I was like, no, I can't do it. And then Dragon Age 2, I'm like, well, I know Dragon Age 2 is a little bit better, but still it's just not as good as a whole whole game overall. So I, I popped in Inquisition again, and I thought, there's no way this is going to go well. And I started playing Inquisition, and it didn't take long. I was like, I love the story. I love the characters. I actually like this combat quite a bit. And you know what? I started to just like the MMO-like quests even. I'm like, I just like running around with these characters, hearing them talk, and doing the fetch quests. And I got really into Dragon Age Inquisition for like a month or two, and I beat it, did some of the DLC, never got to the final DLC before the Bass Effect remaster came out, and I switched to that. So it's, my save's still there, yeah. so I can go back. But Trust I ended up becoming a big fan of Inquisition. And now I will buy uh, Dreadwolf, I believe it's called, right? Mm-hmm. The next one? Yeah, I, I will buy oh, Dreadwolf. I loved, I loved Inquisition. So yeah, Inquisition's my favorite. The TLDR is, glad I played the series. I'm a fan of Inquisition. I'll probably replay that one. Probably will never touch the first two again, but I'm glad I have those memories, you know, experience. I was so glad he did, yeah. too, because I remember knowing, like, before 
uh, Inquisition was coming out, I knew that Hawk was going to be in it. I knew that Morgan was going to be in it. I didn't know like in what capacity, but I knew they were going to be in it. And I thought, oh my gosh, like, you know, they're kind of like uh, Dragon Age games have kind of become anthology games in a way. Like they're all linked in some way, but they, they always have a different protagonist and stuff, different characters, some reoccurring and stuff. But I thought, man, he he's going to miss out on whatever context that is. And then at least in my playthrough in Inquisition, you know, um, I had, you know, I carried over my stuff and whatnot and I had, uh, gotten in a relationship with Morgan. So then we had the, we had the kid and everything. So he was there in my playthrough and mm-hmm. I got to see him and then he talked about the hero of Ferelden and I was like, Oh yes. Cause that was my favorite. Maybe it's because that was the one that I actually got to make. That was like me. And it wasn't like a sort of pre-established kind of character in a way, but, uh, he was, that was my favorite one of all three games. And, um, when I got to hear about him, it was awesome. When I got to see Morgan, I was happy. But then again, too, when Hawk shows up and um, just part of Hawk's story, I don't want to go into spoilers with that too much, but uh, it was awesome, and it made the juice worth the squeeze on those journeys. So I mm-hmm. I was glad. And I remember Brian, Brian, I still remember the, the way I knew that you beat this game. Because Brian and I, I mean, we saw one another a lot and stuff like that, but it wasn't like Brian randomly texts me like, hey, I beat Inquisition, here's my thoughts. Brian randomly posts this clip on his xbox of like some glitch in the game where like his character was standing there and is like he like crouches and bends and i just as i see the like three second clip i hear brian's voice over the recording go my knees hurt and i was like what and i had to go i was standing on a chair yeah and my knee just dropped out and my leg became three times as long yeah and i and i just voice recorded over it like Ow, my leg hurts. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so funny. Because it was very to, uncommon to me, for Brian I, to do that. It was great. I'm pretty sure I, I wasn't podcasting, but I'm pretty sure in conversation, I talked shit about Inquisition for probably five years because I just, my, my, I was so fatigued by Dragon Age and I had a bad time. But then, like I said, 2020 replayed Inquisition. I'm like, oh, I love Inquisition. Inquisition's good. So I, I just think it's a very, very inconsistent series. Very rough going from one to three. So. Yeah, as much as Mass I love, Effect one to two is people talk about that, but it's nothing by nothing by comparison. Right, Dragon Age's inconsistency. A lot of that has to do with EA. What were you going to say, Wesley? No, I was just going to say you're you're right. Is like as much as I love Dragon Age, the series is kind of turbulent because, like I said, I I initially bounced off the second game and then um, I actually like lost interest the first time I played Inquisition because of all the all the fetch questy stuff. Um, it's actually a lot, a lot like your experience with it. Um, where like, I just like, I couldn't like, it's, I guess the thing with the thing with Inquisition is you have to be in control of the game. You can't let the game control you. Like every time you get a new Mm -hmm. quest, you're like, Oh, I guess I got to go do that. Like as soon as I decided that I was only going to do what I wanted to do in Inquisition, it was a phenomenal experience. Basically, yeah. my rule for it is like if a quest giver doesn't have a unique character model, don't do that quest, or or save it save it until later. Yeah, if it yeah, involves ingredients smart. or miscellaneous items, trash. Don't do that. Oh, gosh, I remember calling Josh because he like he hadn't played yet, and I'd played like an hour, and I was he's like Josh like well don't spoil me, but what do you think so far? And I'm like uh, this this and this, but like one thing I really hate, and I said this to Josh, and j- immediately Josh hated it too, and Josh still brings up this day. I was like. One thing I really hate is like, unless it's like a prime prime quest, if you go up to a quest giver, it doesn't go into that cinematic camera 
where it's like over the shoulder, over the shoulder. Uh-huh. It's like random NPCs sitting there in gameplay with just mm-hmm. text pop-ups. And I told Josh that, and he's like, uh, is it really as bad as you make it sound? I'm like, I think it is. And then Josh started playing it, and he was like, I hate that. That was the moment when you told me that, that I thought this I might be in like, might be trouble in paradise for me, because everything else up to that point looked amazing for that game. And you still mention it to this day. You're like, Yeah, I'm salty over it, and I understand like on the development side, but I'm like, oh my gosh, because the Takes same thing happened with Andromeda. Bro. Yeah, because when I played, when I think, like if someone asked me to sum up Dragon Age Origins in one word, I would say thorough. It's a thorough experience. Like, the way it builds in terms of like sort of these tutorial areas, you know, where you're like, you know, your your origin part, then you kind of jump into I forget uh, what that place is where you meet the king and everything, um, but then you kind of go from there um, into like Lothering, and then after Lothering, it kind of opens up finally. But you kind of have these steps that you take, and, and it takes a while through these steps. And I thought, man, it's just, just a real thorough experience, and because the 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 all the side quests have cinematic shots of you interacting with these characters, I felt like I had this thorough experience of living in Ferelden. So then the second one still tries its best to do that with its conversation wheel that's similar to Mass Effect. So then I get to the third one, and it's supposed to be like the most open one yet, and you get to places like the Storm Coast, and it just looks beautiful. And the game, I think, still visually looks stunning to me. Um, Yeah, I was so bummed. I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, I wanted to live in this world and you're making me feel like I'm playing a diet MMO. This is not, I'm not playing an MMO. I bought your game because I wanted to play an RPG. But I know they had, they had a lot uh, of issues around that time. So I don't blame them. Well, the last thing I wanted to talk about before we wrap the episode up. I do uh, have one question, but I can get to that. We'll go, you ahead first, Josh, because I'm switching topics. Okay. All right. Well, I, uh, this was actually about Elder Scrolls stuff, but I didn't, I, I almost forgot it, but. I wanted to ask both of you guys, it's been so long since we've gotten an Elder Scrolls game, and Todd Howard has said time and again that they're building up this next one to be uh, similar to Skyrim in that they want it to be something you know people can play for like 10 plus years and stuff like that. When I hear that, I also look at how games have evolved like between games as a service, but then also just how like, at least for us who have played games for a long time, how tougher it is for us to feel like we get in a game that like iterates and, and, and it's transcendental and has this amazing, you know, new experience for us that changes things. Uh, when Skyrim came out, it kind of did that in a way. Do you feel, do you guys feel like, I mean, if we can look like, like maybe fast forward and say by the end of this decade, we get the next Elder Scrolls. With this like amount of time, you know, people are all excited for it. But with that amount of time, you build up expectations, and people get different expectations set in their minds of where it's going to be set, what it's going to look like, uh, how how long game length it's going to be, um, and obviously that'll change and shift as as we get to see it and look at it. But like, do you think like is there a possibility that it could come out and just kind of? Like, yeah, make a ton of money, but maybe be a dud? Or do you think it just it will still have some kind of profound cultural impact 2.0 like Skyrim did? Like, do you think it's going to change the industry in some ways, or do you think it'll just be a huge success? What do you guys think? Let Wesley go first here. Yeah, so I, again, I'm a little biased because I think, I think Bethesda is my favorite video game developer. Um, and I know they're not perfect, but I, I trust them because... They've always said that, hey, we're we're gonna we're gonna make games on our own time, and 
more more often than not, we're going to wait until we have a real reason to make another one. Um, and that's kind of the case with the Elder Scrolls is the, with the Elder Scrolls, they've always wanted to take advantage of brand new technology um, or 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 like brand new concepts for their next game. Um, and I think Todd Howard has actually said he regrets how long they've waited to make the next one, that he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it this way if he could read, if he could do it again. Um, mm-hmm. But makes sense. So all that considered, I really do think that the next game will be groundbreaking um, just because of the amount of trust that I have in them uh, as, a, as a studio. And I mean, I don't know. I'll probably set myself up for disappointment, but after this long, it's got to be pretty special. It's been 11 years. You hope so, yeah. Yeah, yeah I hope so. What about you, Brian? I think it'll be a phenomenal game that sells well and everyone will play and talk about. Mm-hmm. But I, I think there's, personal opinion, I think there's zero chance it does what Skyrim did. Because Skyrim is like the zeitgeist that turned the industry into going open world. Yeah. Like Skyrim Skyrim was the game that kicked off the industry into saying, we want our own version of that. Like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, for years it was like multiplayer was getting tacked onto games, like Bioshock 2 had a multiplayer yeah. and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. I remember playing that on a treadmill while on a treadmill and I fell off. That was fun. So, yeah. It's like that's my memory. So that. like there was like the multiplayer fad, and then Skyrim kind of kicked off the open world fad. Like everyone's like, I want to take our world game open world. Suddenly you have it Assassin's more Creed open world. Mm-hmm. You know, Dragon Age was kind of doing that more. You know, every it's Witcher came out like everything. Like Skyrim inspired a generation or two or three, and it's still such a huge game that sells. Sure, and it's because there's nothing like it. It was so good, and you know, and I think by the time. Elder, the next Elder Scrolls comes out, which at the very least has got to be six years from this moment, I would think. Um, Hope I live it, to see it. No, there's no, there's no <laughs> unless kidding. they do something, unless they do something truly groundbreaking. There's, I think it'll just be another phenomenal Bethesda experience that sells well and people talk about. I, it won't. I don't think it'll reignite the the. Like it's not going to change the industry. I don't think like Skyrim did. Right. That's that's how I feel. I don't know. I feel like I feel like Breath of the Wild did that in 2017. Mm-hmm. It kind of showed how to make how to make open world games uh, fun in a new way, and you saw that with like Elden Ring. Um, there's another game I think that borrowed from Breath of the Wild. I can't remember. Maybe stuff like Genshin Impact. Um, but you know, it always takes somebody new to come along. Usually, somebody comes along and, and you know lights a fire under the industry. And uh, sure, you know, unless unless they're truly because I've heard what you said, Wesley. Like they're waiting for new technology. Unless they truly have a technology that like revolutionizes it, where like, let's say for instance, the next Elder Scrolls, it auto generates new quests that are Dark Brotherhood level, like auto like AI generated quests that are god tier, endlessly. Like if it if it they have some kind of thing like that, I mean maybe it'd be hard to argue then. Like well, oh wow. The reason why I asked that real quick is just because you know it's just in the the times we're kind of in now with the industry being where it's at. It's like. I could say for the three of us, I know that that game will come out, and no matter what it is, what it looks like, what quest it has, the length, anything, we're gonna love it. We're gonna love it from the get go, as if it's our own baby. You know what I mean? Like we'll just love it unabashedly. But then, like, you know, the the internet is a lot different than it was ten years ago. People rip things to shreds instantly. Just you know, every little frame of a trailer gets ripped apart and dissected and stuff. And I'm I'm just thinking like, with a gap this long, with people being excited for that, you have the other part that that might not be and might be ready to rip it to shreds or might be like, 
<laughs> I don't know why people got so excited about this game. Uh, I played. My dad uh, always talked about Skyrim. This isn't as good. My grandpa. You know, I don't. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I just wonder, and I mean, hopefully that's not a thing. I think most people will um, call off work and and uh, <laughs> you know have to uh, lock the doors from their loved ones and all that type of stuff. I'm sure it'll be an amazing experience. It's just. I'm interested to see. I think about that from time to time. I just think it's it's going to be a different conversation uh, because of the state of the industry and where it's where it's at at that time. But um, that game could be the same thing and not really do anything groundbreaking, and I would still be like ten out of ten, happy to be back. <laughs> you know. So yeah. But Brian, I'm I, sorry. I'm man. scared to see how old we are. When, oh uh, yeah. Oh well, goodness. I already got enough. <laughs> what were you going to say, Josh? No, I was going to say, what did you have to say? You had, you had that thing, that question, or something. Okay, yeah. So like, yeah. Can, sorry. Last uh, fantasy thing we'll touch on before we get out of here, and I just want to do, do a shout out Is, to Dark Souls because if. If you, I were if I were the guest here, I'd be shouting out Dark Souls as one of the greatest. Are you, fantasy. Are you trying to say, Brian, that this is going to be your final fantasy <laughs> uh, my discussion final fantasy of the episode? Right um, <laughs> Rings of Power, Rings of Ooh. Power. I, we all love <clears throat> Rings of Power. Amazon's Lord of the Rings TV show went for one season, uh, wrapped up a few months ago. Uh, they're nuts, working Brian. on a second season. What's that? Raptor's nuts in season two. Season two of Tortilla. Oh man, are you gonna? You know what? Some, I would open it some, with a hammer. You gotta pay extra for the tomatoes, though. I would open it with a hammer. So you open it with a hammer. You really want to do that? You don't need to. It's a soft shell. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along, Josh. <laughs> From your soft shell wrapped nuts. Um, uh. Rings of power, though. Uh, <laughs> I, I know it's it got a lot of hate on the internet. Kind of reminded me of like Last of Us Two, where like some hate might or some criticism might be warranted, but a lot of it's just like hate for the sake of hate. Um, but Rings of Power, uh, it was a show I think, uh, me and Wesley, maybe more than Josh, uh, were just like shocked by how awesome it was and how great it was. Um, is that your favorite fantasy show, uh, Wesley, now, Rings of Power? Oh, man, I haven't thought about this. Uh, or what's it, another fantasy show that would comp- would be on that level for you? Did yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what else competes with it because I'm not, I haven't really watched Game of Thrones. <clears throat> um... I haven't really watched The Witcher. Um, I don't know, unless there are any There's other... no fan- point now. I, I know, I know. Unless there are any other fantasy fantasy shows you guys can think of that I'm, like, blanking on I like on right Vikings, now. if that counts. Oh, man, like yeah. Vikings, <clears throat> Vikings yeah. counts. I Historical fiction is right in there with fantasy for me, so... Um, but no, I, yeah, I still... Rings of Power probably is my favorite fantasy show. Yeah. Yeah, what about what, what, Josh? I mean, okay, so like, you know let's, what? let's give where we were at. Like, I think I, I don't remember. I think I gave, I think I gave the show an eight out of ten. Josh, I think you gave it that originally, but you changed your mind on it, right? You went lower. Right now, I'd give it a four out of ten. I'd give it a four. Whoa, Ooh. four out of ten? Oh, well, I'm Joshy, not, I'm not gonna, Woo. I'm not get. Look, I'm not gonna hate on it. It, it. What I would say more than anything is, I, I still got a lot out of it, and I still am excited to see where it continues. Um, I loved a lot of the characters in it and stuff like that. So I don't really have too too many below average to television. Give it. You heard it here first, <laughs> but Joshua Hart. I would say I would just for, for for my take, I would just say I did hate seeing how negative people were on the internet for it, and it just reminded me that like people can't do anything new, and you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Quite frankly, because people want new experiences; they don't want like. You know, movies that have legacy narratives, they're, they're tired of the same thing being overdone, uh, retold. Um, but yet, when something is done that's new and explores new territory, people just hate it, you know, and they're so quick to, to rip it apart. And, you know, that's not everywhere. You know, that's mostly Twitter. 
you know, but I mean, I've seen plenty of places, plenty of spaces where people celebrate that stuff and are just excited to get it. So I'm happy it's happened and, uh, that we finally got it because, you know, it just, it means, it means new territory. It felt, it, it wasn't so much for me getting to see that show as much as it was crossing a threshold of like, now we really get to see what middle earth can be like outside of Peter Jackson's, uh, eyes. And I mean, by all means, I would have loved him to continue doing that. Uh, in every way until he, you know, passes, unfortunately. But um, the fact that it's, like, this show now gets me excited. To, like Because I, I'm in the minority, you know, and it's a hot take. But, like, if someone out there wanted to publish their own book uh, of, of, you know, some new Middle Earth story, I would be interested to check it out. Yeah, it's not going to be Tolkien. You know, yeah, it's not going to be in that same canon. But, like, I... I like getting to see new stories and experiences told in Middle Earth. You know, that's why I really get excited about the video game. So I was just happy to see this show come out, and that people like Brian was eating it up so much. I don't, you I don't touch hate on. It. You didn't touch on why you give it a four out of ten, though, John. Well, because you know, because that invites a lot of criticism. I just think the show should not have been eight episodes. I think for a show that has a fantasy world that that that's that rich and vibrant. It moved far too fast with its story, and it didn't take enough time to really develop these characters. I don't because it, it kind of when I watch it, it feels like all these characters just happen to be linked by like destiny, rather than like when I watch the Lord of the Rings movies or read the books, and it feels like these are characters that become linked by like f- like situation, you know, not so much like by destiny. And I kind of get the destiny aspect when I watch the show just of how everything plays into one another. But again, I'm in the minority because when they had the episode where all you see how the Southlands becomes Mordor, I was like not into that. And that was everyone's most celebrated episode. So I think it's awesome that people loved it. I don't hate it. I don't want things canceled. Keep doing things the way you want to do it because I think it can only go up from there. I loved a lot of it. I'm just going dick mode here, Josh. Do you ready for it? So okay, Josh, let's hear I want, it, butthead. I want, I, I want you all to, I want you all to roast Josh after you listen to this episode in the Discord. Josh gave they Halo TV that. series a three out of ten. They're too good for that. He gave Rings of Power four out of ten. So what I give a three out of ten to? Halo the TV series. So oh, yeah, Rings of Power just a hair better than Halo. The just TV a hair series. You heard better. It here. You heard it here first from Josh. You know what? Retroactively, I'd probably give the Halo series a one out of ten. Ooh. I probably would. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm just, not. I promise. I'm not trying to hate though. I'm not. I don't a, bring that a, stuff give up. Give us your thoughts, times. Wesley. Well, just Go to ahead, back up, ahead. just to back up, Joshy, a little bit here. I do. I do think. I wish there was a little bit more breathing room in the first season. I hate. I personally, I hate when TV shows are like. Oh yeah, it's gonna be eight hour long episodes. I just don't think that's enough. I as much as I love I the know. first season of The Rings of Power, I'm like, come on, like not even just selfishly, like I want more content, but I, I really do think that the first season would have been I gave it an eight also. Um I think it could have been a nine if you just give it ten episodes even. I don't know. Like yeah. I do think that they went from one point to another at some points in the first season, a little too quickly, but yeah, I, I mean, I loved it. But do you think we'd be saying this if it was ten forty-five minute episodes? It was the exact same amount of time. Twelve forty-five minute episodes. Just keep, just go, we'll keep moving <laughs> the goalposts. Okay, hey, you're sticking to your guns. I appreciate you know, that. You know, you make I, a good I, I like point, seeing your though. brain work. You're like, that really how do does, 
summarize well, how I feel though, because I think, I think overall I'm fine with everything that happened, like my plot beats. But it was just it felt like it happened so fast, and I, mm-hmm. I felt like I liked every character that was there, uh, that was there in the show. But I wanted some of them got more screen time than others. Some of them I didn't need as much. Like Bronwyn, I that's the was that the gal. Was that the gal, yeah, right? She didn't get enough development. Yeah, she didn't get enough development, mm-hmm. so I didn't really care for her character. And I thought, I know they want me to like her, but I don't have a reason to yet. Yeah. And it's kind I of thought if I Harris. could just live in this a little bit more, then I would be able to come around to it. But uh, again, I, I, <laughs> I don't, I don't hate it. I really don't. I, I'll be so okay. excited for the next one. Let me go. Let me. I, I want to get answer these final three questions, and then we got to get out of here because once again, baby duty calls so, yeah i hear mine too. Uh, but we're coming up on an hour and a half anyways yeah you understand wesley uh-huh. um so give me I, I, we pretty much priority say here give give me your favorite all three of us favorite um fantasy movie favorite fantasy show favorite fantasy game favorite fantasy book it's probably gonna be pretty simplistic uh i, I give i'll give you time to think because mine's boring you know fellowship of the ring favorite movie uh favorite fantasy game ocarina of time Favorite fantasy show, Rings of... Well, it's... Ooh, it's either original Game of Thrones or Rings of Power. I, I have more respect for Rings of Power than Game of Thrones, but I, I really attach Game of Thrones, so it's just a toss-up there. And then book, you know, I'm a terrible at reading, <laughs> but uh, I would probably go with... I'd probably go with Fellowship of the Ring as well for the book, so I'm pretty bland. Um, you know yours, Wesley, or should I pass over to Josh? Uh, you know what? I think it's going to be Fellowship of the Ring movie. Um, D- Dune is a close second. Does that count as fantasy? I don't know. Mm, um, yes, it does. Maybe, yeah. Yes, it does. And Hell then, yeah, man. Can't game has got to be Skyrim, um, TV show, Rings of Power, and then book, um, because I count Star Wars as fantasy, is probably going to be the Darth Bane trilogy from way back in the day. Oh, I've only ever read the first, but wow, was it phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super good, super good. What was it, Brian? Uh, Movie, book, and show show? and game. Movie, Um, book, show, game. Oh, gosh. Uh, Game is going to be Oblivion. Uh, Phenomenal experience for me. Got me through a tough time, but also just uh, I couldn't wait to get that game. That game was the reason I got a 360. I knew Halo 3 was coming, but like that was the reason I got it when I did. Um, Favorite movie? Fellowship of the Ring. I mean that that I didn't talk about it, but that was the movie that pulled me into fantasy. That wasn't sci-fi, like in terms of medieval or you know just fantastical, like D and D, if you will, like fantasy. That's what was the Pandora's box moment. Was watching that movie in theaters. Um, and then favorite book, like Brian, Fellowship of the Ring. Um, the Phil DeGrasse audiobooks for those are phenomenal, and uh, that's what really technically got me through my reading of it, if you will. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of people say now it's hard to get through because of a lot of the first couple chapters of them walking around. But um, I loved it. I love the exposition. I was eating that up. Um, you know, but Dune, Dune's close. I mean, what I've listened to of the Dune audiobooks, phenomenal. But um, favorite show, it's probably a deep cut now. Um, it's kind of a tie. So it's a cop out answer, but it's a bit of a tie between the 90s series Hercules and Xena. Warrior Princess. Um, I really, really liked that type of 90s fantasy uh, back in the day. I, I grew up with those, so I really, really uh, loved that type of sword and sorcery stuff. Um, 
So it's just crazy that I couldn't really get into that stuff as much when I was younger, but um, that stuff was the exception and uh, kind of writing on the wall for when I saw Fellowship of the Ring. So, yeah. You know, if it counted, I almost, because for fan, for book, if it, I don't know if it would count like Star Wars, but I've, you know, for me, someone who doesn't read books really, I've read, I think, The Fall of Reach three times. I think that book's phenomenal. Sure. I, I think it still counts. Fall. Sci-fi fantasy, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I prefer Fellowship like overall, but like, as a growing up as a Halo nerd, like I, that's one I've read over and over again. I just think it such such an establishing book, you know. Like mm-hmm. I'm not one of those people that hates that Halo Reach, uh, the game, screwed up the book because I think they're Bungie's games and they get to choose, and I think that's more important. And the game was phenomenal, anyways. But uh, you couldn't ask for a better like if you read The Fall of Reach and then played Halo Combat Evolve, like holy crap, does that improve the experience? So I love sure. that book. Sure. Um, but yeah, guys, I think that's going to wrap it up for our podcast on fantasy with Wesley. Uh, if you guys want to get Wesley back on here, let us know. Um, Wesley, where can people find you on, I don't know, Twitter or any other places you want to shout out? Yeah. yeah, basically just Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at, at Wesley Types. Um, I got some links there. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm jiving with it now. Uh, I got some links <laughs> there for my for my Letterboxd and my um, yes. GG app game reviews. So I'm going to try to do a lot more of that this year, um, given movie reviews and reviewing. I love any- that you use that stuff. Did you know about the GG app before us? I did. Yeah, I did, actually. I thought it was cool that you guys did that's about a, it, too. I'm impressed. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm glad you've been think, using Letterbox too. I was just trying to get a friend to use that at work, and he was not interested. And I was like, oh, I love it. made my head sink because yeah, I, got I thought, man, I just, just want to see. Awesome. I don't care yep. if people disagree or like if they don't, if we don't share the same, yeah. whatever. Yeah. I just want to see what people think of this movie. What they Gosh, rated. What would you do if you got the guy from work? Okay, no, hit me up with the sound. Okay. <laughs> of guy from work signs up to Letterbox, and you're all excited about it, and then you notice over the course of the next couple months. He just logs whatever movie you just watched and puts the exact opposite opinion every time. He just logs in the same exact movies you watch and just like you give it a five, he gives it a one. You give it a one, he gives it a five. I can't really give you an impersonation of the voice because my reaction would be that Will Ferrell face he makes in like every movie where someone is like being really mean to him and he just gets stone faced. I don't know how to explain that, but it's one of my favorite expressions in movies whenever Will Ferrell does that because I would be so mad. I'd be like, "What is going on?" What would you say to him in person, like? Would you be all well? Like, it's Irwin. Like, hey, it's our man. buddy Irwin, and I <laughs> and I'd be like Irwin. So uh, I can't help but notice that uh, I just watched Out Cold recently, and you just watched it. Doesn't seem like your kind of movie. What's up with that? I'd go well, you know. I wanted to fuck with you. Here I am. <laughs> you know, I don't know, but I mean, <laughs> he'd, yeah. he'd be like, he'd be like, I didn't watch it. I yeah. just knew that my review. He'd be like, be I was, I was just joshing you. Hey. And I'd be like, "Fam, fuck you," you know. But no, hey, Wesley, man, I love, I love seeing your your reviews and stuff like that, man. And you're so such a great staple in the community, man. And I love, I you know, I don't always see everything because of my third shift stuff, but um, I love when I do see your guys' interactions with Final Fantasy because I give Brian nothing to chew on with that uh, because I'm so out of the loop of it. So it's hey, great. That seven when, episode we did was awesome, though. Oh, I, I loved it. I loved it, and we got a lot of great feedback uh-huh. on it. But no, but no, man, Wesley's one of the most common uh, people in the Discord. You bring a lot of enthusiasm and stuff like that and it, it radiates for sure i'm glad I mean, to have you here man yeah, yeah this I, I appreciate to do, that man. it's it's like 
Yeah, I love being here. Thanks for thanks for having me and thanks for tolerating my my voice. I'm like still recovering from a cold. You sounded great. great. I just I want to shout out Nerva and Photon. Uh, they're the other two guys that are in that Final Fantasy uh, channel all the time. Yeah, um, love David. Love, love talking Photon. to them and shout out to Ethan too. If it weren't for Ethan, I don't think. Uh, Vi- uh, Violet Stag. I don't think I would be as interested in Final Fantasy 15 as I was. So, yeah, love oh, those yeah. guys for right. sure. Same, same. Very the good cool. support shout system out in to, there. Yeah. Shout out to the Secret Santa that paid to have you on the episode. I yes. Think, I, think a couple, I think a couple people think they have it figured out. I can't say who it is. <laughs> That's funny. somebody in our somebody in our uh, Discord uh, yeah. patron is just uh, buying people episodes on the show left so. and right. They are the best. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right, guys. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode covering fantasy on the Sacred Icon podcast. And as always, keep it sacred.